Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and today we are talking about tacos, and my guest is a man who makes some tacos that Omaha just cannot get enough of. To open one restaurant in this current hospitality environment is truly a challenge, and this guy has opened three and a food truck since August of 2020. My guest today is Javier Trujillo, the owner of Javi's Tacos. Javier, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having us over. This is really my pleasure. I'm so happy. And you brought breakfast burritos. Yep, so breakfast burritos you, and some salsas. <laughs> that even makes you more welcome of a guest. There you go. But I, I would be more than happy, even if you didn't bring that, just to talk about food. Because you are just, your business has just exploded out of the gates in a few years. And I want to dig into that. I often lead off my episodes by asking their guests what sets his or her establishment, apart from others like it in Omaha. But I think I kind of know, or I at least have a sense of the reason for Javi's success. So there are a lot of, or there are a few Omaha restaurants, much less Mexican spots, that offer the level of customization that you do. So Javi's has 10 menu items from tacos to tortas to burritos to rice bowls, all of which can be filled with one of 12 proteins and then finished off with a full bar of cheese, salsa, veggies, all kinds of stuff. I mean, if I tried to calculate the number of different permutations of menu items that someone <laughs> could order, I'm pretty sure my brain would short circuit. So I just want to start there. Like, as you were coming up with this concept, how did you decide that, hey, customization is going to be the key? That's what's really going to set us apart here. You know, it's kind of crazy how it happened because, you know, it was August when uh, 2020 when I went, uh, we were going to open – and I had to work on the menu, and it's like, how do I put a menu that'll make everybody happy? You know, and for me, when I go out and eat, you know, um, there's certain things I don't like, you know, like olives, mushrooms, and stuff like that. So, uh, building nachos, for me, it was like, okay, it, it really came to the point where, do I really want to force people to, here's how the, I make the food, and this is how you got to eat it, and then they tell us what they don't want. You know, and then it just came down on me. On a conversation with uh, uh, my rep from Cisco, so like, you know what? I'm gonna make my menu where customers come in, they pick, they customize what they want, they pay one price as long as all the items go in the meal, no extra charge. I said I don't want to be where you walk in and then you ask for sour cream, you ask for walk, and then it's an extra two dollars, an extra dollar here. You know, obviously, as long as our concept is as long as all the items that you want fit in your rice bowl, fit in your burrito. No extra charge. If you want it on the side, then unfortunately we do the extra charge just because of to cover the cost of the container and all that stuff. And when we opened Welch like that in August 18, yeah, people just loved it. People, the kids loved that they could walk in, get their nachos, and put, pick their toppings. They could put lettuce if they want. They could put beans if they want. They could put radishes, jalapenos, whatever they want, and no additional cost. So that's where it really came down to. And then in my head, I was like. You know, I've always seen how, you know, um, Subway and stuff like that, you know, you walk in, you make your toppings, you select what you want. Um, and that really got my attention as far as when making the menu is I didn't want to force people that you have to get it this way. And it worked. I mean, I, I feel like it really worked and people really enjoyed it. Now, I want to make a very clear delineation right here. And this is not to say anything 
bad about these restaurants, but I think when a lot of people hear about this level of customization, they're, th- they're thinking of, like you just mentioned, Subway, a Chipotle, Qdoba, something like that. I, I'm not sure about the practices those restaurants have, but you at Javi's, you're cutting vegetables daily. You're cooking yeah. rice daily. Proteins are not fired until they're ordered. So if I go and I order asada, it's not sitting in a container and it's just spooned out into my burrito. It is cooked fresh when I order it, and then it goes in my burrito. So I just wanted to make that very clear that you guys are are putting that extra effort in. And this is also the point in the podcast where I like to point out the where someone can find Javi's Tacos if if they're interested. You've got three locations now, one in Welch Plaza. That's the original. Yep. Second in Lakeside Plaza, and you just opened one in Elkhorn, Elkhorn. as well. So 204th in Blando. Yeah, so yep. you are just making moves so, that happen. Yeah, uh, you know, and my goal was, you know, my essentially, we've, you know, when I started is like, I want to bring something different, you know, Mexican different for people. You know, because a lot of people think of Mexican, Tex-Mex, you know, there's some really good authentic Mexican food, but... Um, the flavors are different, you know, and some, some people in the Midwest are not used to those flavors, you know, so for me, when I started, I wanted to uh, focus on quality, freshness, like you mentioned, we cut, cut all of our vegetables fresh, our lettuce, our radishes, our red peppers, our pineapple, nothing comes on a can. The only thing that is uh, processed is our uh, pickle jalapenos. That's the only thing. Everything else is 100% made fresh. We make rice fresh every day in the morning. We make our beans. And like you mentioned, our meats, we cut our, we prep for, obviously, during peak time, we know how much meat we need to have to be ready. But uh, we never have leftover meat from the prior day and use it again for the next day. Everything is as fresh as possible to keep the quality. You know, like I told my staff, we, we, I invest a lot of money on the quality. So for us to maintain the quality, we need to have certain practices to maintain that. Mm-hmm. So so how, how do you bridge that gap? Because you said you don't want to be Tex-Mex, but when you're talking about like real authentic Mexican flavors, those are things that a lot of people in this part of the country aren't used to. So you're kind of offering something that it's not Tex-Mex, but it's something that is a little bit more familiar to Omaha and to the Midwest. How did you bridge that gap? You know, I I, I still, I think we're still struggling a little bit on that. And when it comes to that aspect, um, because even authentic, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm authentic Mexican food. We're different. If, if one of my, a lot of people would say, you know, well, what makes you different? It's like, well, we're just different. We're not, I'm not Tex-Mex. I don't consider myself Tex-Mex, but I also don't consider myself full authentic. But there's certain things that, we, we, how we do our food, like our charro beans. You know, uh, at first when people didn't know what charro beans are, you know, traditionally charro beans are cooked with bacon, chorizo, hot dog. You got bay leaves in there. And, and simmer, let it all simmer really good for six to eight hours. Uh, and I would get emails or, or reviews like, oh, I, p- I found a piece of hot dog in my beans. What the heck? And like, and then I have to, well, you know, traditionally charro beans are made like that. Like, what? I've never seen that in Omaha. Nowhere in restaurants in Omaha have hot dogs in my beans. So it's, it's, a, it's a, I would say a little bit of culture shock or traditions, you know. Um, and I think that's what I'm doing slowly is, bringing some of those traditions or some of those things that I saw my mom do, you know, back when she cooked in LA is bring those to, to life, you know, just the way we cook our beer. Yeah. You know, we slow cook it. Uh, it's, it's marinated a day before the meat, before we even start cooking it. And then it's slow cook for eight to 10 hours. We don't just throw everything in a pot, put it on high and be ready in two hours. You know, it's just not the same quality. Um, you know, from our rice, you know, making our rice fresh every day, you know, it's just little, little things that, uh, by no means I'm not a chef, not, I have no cooking, um, schooling, you know, I, before I opened, uh, hobbies, you know, I worked at a Perkins restaurant for 15 years, you know, American breakfast. That's what I dealt with for the last 15 years before I decided to start my own. Uh, so therefore, uh, the knowledge I had when it comes to, flavors and mixing things together it all pretty much came based on what i like and what i felt people would enjoy things you know to grab a piece of carne asada and have that charcoal uh, burn smell and have good flavor not to be tough not to be dry or no flavor you mm-hmm. know kind of like our lengua our leng- i compare our lengua to literally probably the best prime rib you've ever had super tender buttery and just rich in flavor, you know, and I, I think we'd accomplish that. 
Your lingua is fantastic. And, that- I, and I think that's an example of exactly what you're talking about. Like, for those who don't know, lingua is cow tongue. Mm-hmm. And it, it's becoming more popular in Omaha. I'm starting to see it at more and more restaurants. But I think that's something most Omaha diners would be like, no. I, I do not want cow tongue. That sounds gross. And the first time they come into Javi's, they're probably going to get steak or they're going to get carnitas. They're going to get something that's Chicken. familiar. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But maybe they come in a couple times and they say, you know what? Th- this is really good. Now I'm going to branch out and I'm going to try something a little bit more traditional because I trust Javi's now. I think that there's you can kind of build that baseline and then kind of challenge people to expand their taste buds a little bit more, if that oh, yeah. makes sense. Absolutely. And and we've seen that with the birria taco platter. You know, I compare it to a, think of a French dip on a uh, taco version. You get your taco, tons of cheese, tons of shredded beef, and you dip in the broth and, and eat that. And when people have it, it's like, wow, I never expected that to be those flavors be there. And then that broth, the juice, people call it that juice you could literally drink. It. I said, well, that's what you're supposed to. I said, uh, once you're done with your taco, you just chug that down and, and, and enjoy it. And, yeah, we have so many people that would have never ordered it, never would have tried it, just because, you know, the name or the look gets sometimes, just uh, people get discouraged, I would say. They, they don't, it's not their comfort. You know, it's not something they would normally try. Yeah, but people that have tried our lengua, they have said, wow, this is so good. Okay, I want to go back to those beer tacos because I think that's something that has allowed you to have this success right out right out of the gate is you've had a couple menu items that have just really popped. Yep. And they've exploded on social media and people are like, I have to go in and try that thing. And I think the beer tacos are one of those. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I've never had birria tacos or I've never had Javi's birria tacos. Break down this menu item for me and why do people go crazy for it? So to begin, it's, you know, the meat, the way we cook the birria, super slow cook, you know, uh, anywhere between eight to 10 hours. Uh, We marinate the meat a day before. So it's in the cooler marinating with all the sauce, the paste that we make for it and then slow cook it. Uh, More than that, and we we add enough uh, wajillos so that we get that grease that we dip the tortilla in it. And it gives it a nice red color. Um, you drop it in the grill. And the key is we use two tortillas. And then we put chihuahua cheese. You know, so where a lot of other places do, probably mozzarella, uh, Monterey Jack. You know, cheese that is not expensive. You know, chihuahua cheese is, you know, is very milky, creamy cheese. So, therefore, it costs more money. So, then you drop that uh, cheese on top of your tortilla. Almost like you're making a quesadilla. And then just fill it up nicely on one half with the shredded beef, and then once the tortilla is nice and crispy, then you fold it, and because th- that way every bite you have a nice crunch. Trust me, I I, I talk to all my staff all the time. I said like, God, that 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 beer taco is not crunchy enough. You don't fold it until the tortilla is nice and crunchy. Once you start seeing the tortilla flop a little bit from the sides, then that's that's your sign that now flip it, um, because it adds to the experience. Everything that I try to focus is. The experience we want to give our guests from the moment you walk in, walk on the hobbies or you're leaving. Hey, thanks. Have a good day. Just the acknowledgement. I always tell my staff, acknowledge the guests walking in, acknowledge the guests and thank them that they came and visit us. And then as far as the quality, we know we have it. As far as the experience we want to give our guests, that's on our hands. You know, every employee, I tell them it's in your hands to give them the experience that we want them to have. What is that experience is to have the first bite to be like, wow, this is good, and I and I I, I get I, I enjoy when I'm working in the restaurants, and I'm you know helping you on the line, and I see a customer taking a bite even of a a hard shell taco platter, the first bite, and they're like, look at their spouse or look at who they're, and they're like, this is good, uh-huh. you know, you, you can see it in their face, you can see it in their expressions, like they were not expecting that, you know, and and that for me is it's the one thing I'm looking in in my journey as I built this company is create and give people that experience that it's different you know and i think from day one i want to be different i don't want to be chipotle i don't want to be kedova i want to be different and better how can we do everything that all these other companies have done but how can we be different but at the same time be better and create an experience Mm -hmm. you know i think you're achieving those goals and that very scene that you just described that happened with my wife and i when when, (laughs) when she got the birria tacos (laughs) I mean, we've had birria tacos. We know that they're excellent. 
But when she took a bite and I could just like see the cheese just like erupt forth from that taco and her eyes just lit up. I was like, yep, she she's in a happy place right Good, now. Yes. And then, of course, I had to steal several bites because I, I was very, very jealous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, I think another thing that I really want to get into and I think is super important and this kind of plays into, you know, your your upbringing coming from Mexico and then L.A., like you said, watching your mom cook is. You have a true love for tortillas, my friend. At least from what I can tell, doing my research and on social media, like every Javi's tor- uh, corn tortilla is handmade, and there is an art to how it's cooked. From yeah. how much oil goes on the griddle before the no uh, oil before the for, no oil no oil no oil the, no oil on the griddle no grill no. And then it's cooked for like a very specific amount of time. What makes tortillas special to you? And and when you think about your tortillas specifically, like what stands out about them? So it's funny because I just had this conversation with my mom probably two, three weeks ago. We were talking about it. Traditionally, you know, in Mexico, when they make tortillas, just the corn, they they grind it and then they work it on the rock and all that. Um, a little bit of water, a little bit of salt, and then they make their dough. Um, me wanted to be different, right? Um, my mom was down here when we opened our thirst store, and she saw the recipe how I make our Javi's tortillas. And she's like, why do you add pepper? Why do you add garlic? Why do you add ginger? I add a little bit so that when you grab that tortilla, there's flavor on that first bite. And she's like, well, the flavor should be on your meat. I was like, yeah, but there's people that love a tortilla that is textured right and it has a flavor. Like me, I, I love to eat just black beans with cheese and sour cream. And if I'll grab a tortilla, I just want to grab that tortilla and take a bite. But I don't want it to be blend. I shouldn't have to mix that tortilla on the beans and everything else to have flavor. So when I created that recipe, it was just taste buds in my head and, and knowing what I w- what wanted to capture, right? It's like, like you mentioned, we don't put no oil on the grill uh, to make the tortilla because it's a fresh dough. You don't drop it. Let it cook in three minutes on one side. Once the tortilla starts uh, creating that air bubble that lets you know the bottom is cooked and it starts to air bubble, then you flip the other side for another two minutes. So essentially it takes a good five minutes to make a perfect hobby tortilla, but then you get a nice and not crunchy, but just nice and a nice texture where you, where you fold the tortilla, and no matter what meat you get, it should not break the tortilla. And that's why I told my staff when customers in the past have said, well, my tortilla fell apart. I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, they didn't cook it long enough. You know, it's like a pizza dough. You know, if you pull it out of the oven too soon, it's doughy, right? And mm-hmm. then your pizza doesn't get nice and firm. It's just blocked. <laughs> so same thing with tortilla. Every, I mean, everything has a... I mean, a formula why it's done a certain way, and, and I tell them, if you do it the right way, the customers will have a great experience, and those flavors will come together. So, And that, I feel like you know that has given, given us a little bit of success. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was just experimenting because I want to have different colored tortillas. You know, I would like to add some red to it, some blue, some green, some different colored tortillas, depending on the month and stuff like that, and say, hey, come try our, our, our red Javi's tortillas. You know, and I don't want to add just food color, you know, so I've been messing with different products, uh, food to add color to it. And and I haven't I haven't must m- mastered that yet. So I, ha- I haven't introduced it yet, but it'll be nice. I think it'll be uh, fun to come in and get, you know, different different fl- uh, flavors, spinach tortilla, you know, or uh, beets. That's another one that was mess- uh, playing with, you know, and people that are looking for healthy, you know, uh, stuff like that. And it's. It'd be once again, we go back to the experience, mm-hmm. you know, that they'll be different. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't want to just be one of those people that just, you know, yeah, I, I could get tor- red tortillas from Cisco, but that doesn't add nothing to the experience. I mean, me just dropping into the grill, heating up, it's not, it's not what I want, mm-hmm. you know. So, there's a taco truck in Omaha, Mexitli. I yep. absolutely love. I want to give a shout out to them. They they have the red tortillas, yep. and he does it with beets. And the first time people hear that, they're like beet tortilla mm-hmm. but doesn't affect the flavor nope. all that much but it just adds that visual pop exactly. that just makes you like you have to take a bite of that because yeah. you have to know what it is and yep. what it tastes like so i love that yep. you're it, you're thinking ahead he has great phenomenal food because i me and my daughter have gone down there a couple of times you know we like to support local and eat his tortillas his canasta tacos too you know he's more on the true 
traditional Mexican cooking, you know, um, something that I probably wouldn't be ever be able to compete just because, you know, being uh, was born in Mexico, raised in L.A. since I was four. Um, I never got to experience the culture. I mean, me and my wife have joked about it. It's like, God, I would love I could I just go to Mexico for a year and just learn from every little different towns, uh, the the upbringings and, and uh, different flavors. I mean, I, I think that would be phen- phenomenal to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You come back with so many great ideas. Kind of like R- Rivera's, you know. Rivera's, you know, he had phenomenal food. You know, and he, every time he would go to Mexico, he would come back with some great ideas. Oh, so. R.I.P. Rivera's. <laughs> a, truly, a truly great restaurant. Oh, absolutely. That, that closed yeah. recently, but best of luck to him in, in retirement. I, th- I think he'll come back. I hope so. Yeah, I'll I'll be his number one supporter. I think he would. I'll be right there behind you. (laughs) So did you get mom to try your version of the tortilla? What did she think? She said it was different, but it's not what she's used to. Right. You know, she's a very old-fashioned, so she likes just all good old simple tortilla, you know? Fair enough. So... Uh, the next menu item that I think got you guys a lot of attention that I want to get into is the quesabiria pizza. Yeah. And this thing, I, I have not personally had this thing yet, but it just looks wild. First of all, just what is it and how did you come up with it? So just, you know, uh, you know, birria and, and it's, it's an overall and even the birria taco platters or birria tacos, you know, they've been, they've been made in California, New York, Chicago, all these areas for the last 15 years. You know, but it's just nev- never been advertised or, or put out there as much as it has this last couple of years. You know, so when we started, you know, there's been so many restaurants here in Omaha that have had them for the last 10 years, but never been marketed. You know, so we started marketing it and, and we had a success and then we did a TikTok video that blew up and pretty much put us on the map, you know, and... Uh, then everybody else that was doing it came out. It's like, well, we were the originals. Like, well, well we're the ones who made it famous, <laughs> you know. But uh, um, and then you know the quesadilla uh, because at one point we even did did the ramen birria, you know, with ramen and they put the the birria broth and the the, the meat and all that. Uh, that wasn't uh, as big as a hit as I thought it would have been because we did it in the winter. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those things that consistency. I told the staff we're not consistent consistent promoting doing something then we're not going to make it be a success um but then we we went ahead and said you know what? let's try the quesadilla and i saw how other restaurants were doing it um you know so i said let's give it a try we we already used a 14 inch tortilla raw for our burritos so i was like what what else perfect tortilla than the one we already have because it's raw we're cooking it fresh we can manage the crisp the crispness on it and that's what we did and that tortilla that we use, it really enhances a lot of flavors because it, it captures all the juices and everything. And so, you know, same thing as we do with the uh, beer taco. You dip a little bit of the grease, drop it, put your cheese, drop the other tortillas, same thing. Cheese on both sides of the tortillas, where some places they only do cheese on one side. Um, and then put fill it up with nice and meat. I mean, you've got probably a good... I would say 12 ounces that almost a, a pound of meat all spread on the family one, you know, and get it nice and crispy, cut it up in eight pieces, put some sour cream, some queso fresco, some onion cilantro, some radishes in the corner, and then your two dipping sauce. You know, I've, I've had families say that a family of six that feeds them, you know, for $25, six people eat and they're full, you know, because you think of all that cheese, all that meat. I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a good deal. Right, yeah, and it's just one of those things visually. I mean, you see it, and your taste buds, or excuse me, your salivary glands like activate. Yes, uh, even just like t- t- hearing about it and thinking about it, talking about it right now, I'm just like, damn, that sounds really good. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> one more menu item. That's your burritos, and oh. I think what makes them stand out. Not only are they quality. You know, we've talked about the the tortilla. We've talked about the quality of the meat and the vegetables and everything. But the size, I mean, these things are consistently, I would say, at least a pound and a half, maybe two pounds. Like, it became a popular thing, especially when you first opened. People would take the picture of it next to their forearm. Yep, or for, babies. Yeah, or, or yeah. babies for comparison. Or they'd, like, take a picture of it, like, seat belted into their passenger seat, and it, like, fit somehow. Right. I, I mean... I know you could make them smaller yeah. because a lot of other places do, and that would probably help you on food costs. So how did you make the decision like, 
we're going to go for it. We're going to, when people order a burrito, they're getting a capital B burrito at Javi's. So the funny thing on that is not us. That's on the customer making it that big. So our, our base is four ounces of rice, four ounces of beans, four ounces of meat. And then you manage everything else, your toppings. So that, and that's where the massiveness, I think is adults become kids when they are in front of the coal bar, everything, yeah. lettuce, onions, uh, radishes, jalapenos. Oh, what is that? Pico de gallo. Uh, pineapple. Pineapple. I'll put some pineapples. Like, okay. I mean, I've seen some crazy things. I'm like, you sure want pineapples? Like, oh, yeah. Is it, and then they're like, is it fresh? I'm like, yeah, it's fresh. I put some pineapple. Or coleslaw, because we have a cilantro lime coleslaw that's phenomenal that we make in-house. Um, I've seen people put it under breakfast burritos, and I'm like, kind of eggs, hash browns, chorizo, coleslaw. It's like, buddy, I hope you don't get sick. It's like, oh, I love it like this. So then one day I made me one, and I put the same toppings that this customer does. That he comes twice a week at Welch, and and, and I was just blown away. It's like, wow, now I know why he puts it on. It just something with the coleslaw, the liminess on it. It just gave it a good blend. But yeah, so it's on the customer. They they I literally feel like customers become kids in front of a a, a, a coal bar, and in their head is candy. And they want a little bit of that. They want a little bit of that. They want to add. And then by the time they realize, by the time we get to the salsa, like, you want any salsa? It's like, yeah, let's do two scoops of the creamy habanero and one of the tomatillo. Okay. And it's nice and juicy. And it's, I mean, we've been to the point we got to add another tortilla because otherwise we can't fold it. You know, and we try to be um, cautious on how much we put, you know, if it's it's corn salsa, an ounce, you know, and just to make sure, give you the ability to be able to taste all the flavors. You know, I always tell the customers, you know, pick, you got your basics, we built it, pick four items you want. Four items, and I guarantee you, you're going to enjoy that burrito. If you put too much, it's you're going to lose all the taste, you know? Yeah, everything just starts to kind of fight against each exactly. other, and it all yeah. gets lost. Yeah. And one of my things, you know, was the radishes. You know, that's one thing that a lot of our customers have known me, is that I put radishes on everything. And even customers that are like, nah, skip the radishes, like, just try it once. Try it once. If you don't like it, come back. I'll remake it with no radishes. And now they're believers on the radishes. So what is it about the radish? It's that crunchiness. It, it's, if you put it on a taco or even on a burrito, you don't expect it. So you go into it, you bite into it, and you get that little crunch. And you know, radishes, depending on the season, they can have a small little kick to it. Not much flavor on it, but that little kick to it, but it just goes well. And like I said, that little crunch... And it's like, it just wasn't, unex- it was something unexpected. And and it just, I don't know, it just get, gives it, all, it the whole experience. So uh, so I am really, really fascinated to get into your background here because I think it's going to be really interesting. But before we do that, I want to give a quick shout out to one of my awesome sponsors, and that is Lone Tree Foods. How, dear listener, would you like to order the same ingredients that chefs are using at your favorite restaurants? That's exactly what Lone Tree Foods allows you to do. Nebraska's local food distributor is where many restaurants get their produce, meats, mushrooms, oils, and more. It connects small farms and food producers to restaurants, stores, schools, and you. That's right. All these awesome ingredients are available to you. I had never used microgreens in any of my cooking before encountering Lone Tree Foods, but now my wife and I have been incorporating this spicy mix of greens from Robinette Farms, and it just takes a pop of flavor, brings things right to the next level. I highly encourage you to check this place out. Visit LoneTreeFoods.com to start purchasing restaurant-quality ingredients and upping your cooking game today. And now, back to my guest. Yeah. So let's get into your background a little bit. Because before opening Javi's, you had about two decades in the restaurant industry, like you said, working at Perkins and doing some stuff beforehand. How did you get into cooking originally? Um, it all started at, uh, when I was a senior in high school. Well, I guess if we go back, you know, my parent, my family was very poor when they came to the United States. My mom worked in the farms and migrated through the farm act in California. Um, my dad at that point has started a small business, appliances business. Um, but, uh, all through, I remember all through our childhood, uh, all through middle school, you know, we, we were poor, you know, we had to watch what we, we, we bought and stuff we ate. We were limited. Uh, my mom used to, at a Catholic church we that we were members of, my mom would uh, set up a, a little um, 
food stand on Saturdays and Sundays. And I was the only one of uh, six siblings that would help her in the mornings. We'll wake up at four in the morning. She would make pozole. She would make menudo. She would make birria, tamales, and stuff like that. And we would take it on a car and then just park and uh, make a nice little table out there in the church. And we would sell food Saturdays and Sundays. And another way for us to get income. So I think the passion of the food and cooking. And she says all, uh, throughout the years when I was a kid that I was the, always the one nosy in the kitchen. to want to help her, you know, cut vegetables or wash dishes or why are you adding this? Uh, it just asking a lot of uh, cooking questions. Um, and then when I was a senior, uh, I started working for Subway. I worked for Subway for a year, year and a half. And then I worked at a hometown buffet in California, um, you know, and experienced, got to see a lot of cooking and and I I think deep inside just it it got my attention you know you don't get bored there's always something to do in the restaurant industry you know Uh, so we like that and then somehow through college and everything wasn't working out for me in LA and decided to move to the Midwest I have an uncle in Strom Lake um, and went move over there and worked at Tyson for a little bit I'm like "Eh, factory job is not for me and then uh, went and worked at a Monterey's Mexican restaurant, Spencer, Iowa, uh, as a waiter. And and once again, I got back into what I, I, I felt I liked, you know, talking to customers and just being a social butterfly, I guess, you know, and then enjoying learn things from food. Um, and then after that, uh, I, that's when I met uh, uh, Perkins, you know, the franchisees of Perkins that he opened his first Perkins in 2007. And... Then from then, 15 years, I was with them. I have opened quite a few Perkins, and um, I was at some point got to be a regional manager and, you know, quality, service, cleanliness, and all that stuff. Understand the numbers, you know. Um, a lot of people have the gift of having the funds and the money to open a business where I didn't have the money or the funds or anything, but I had the knowledge. You know, I understand the cost of paper supply, food, why you know, certain numbers got to be in certain place to be able to be profitable. Um, so when I when I decided, you know, move on from Perkins and start my own thing, you know, it's like COVID was for me was like the perfect storm. I said, you know, if uh, if I can't make it during COVID, then I'm never going to make it in a normal life situation. Um, and luckily, you know, uh, till the today, I would say that COVID was a blessing because it, it worked out. People were, you know, tired of being home. Uh, needed some good food, and I was able to provide that, you know, and uh, speed, quality, we had it. And right now, you know, as our business had grown and as online has grown so much is the one thing right now that uh, we're trying to figure out is how do we improve on our speed because online orders is what kills us. You know, um, we for every customer who walks in, we probably get 15 online orders. And that that's that's the in the industry – you know, uh, that's our, where our struggle is, you know, because we don't all have the, I would say, the luxury of having two kitchens, one one to focus online and one to focus in dining. So, yeah, and that's where the passion of cooking, I guess, has brought me along. I want to back up a little bit. You're at Perkins for 15 years, and you, like you said, you're opening Perkins. You yep. became a regional manager. I mean, it sounds like you were moving up and in, in the company. You had a pretty high position. To leave that to open your own place, I mean that that takes some serious guts. <laughs> at, at what point in your mind did the idea of Javi's Tacos arrive, and like, how did you ultimately come to the decision that I gotta try this, I gotta make this happen? You know, it was my parents. My parents pushed me. You know, my parents for years have said, you know, when are you gonna do something on your own? It's like in my head, I've I've always wanted to. If I God gave me the opportunity to open a nice, high end Mexican restaurant, that's probably where I would have gone. But obviously, for something like that, it's two, three, four million dollars that I didn't have it in my pocket, and I know I didn't have a bank that would give me that kind of money during COVID. So my parents were—I would say my parents were the number one influences pushing me to, you know, when are you going to do something on your own? You, obviously, you know how to—you know how to run a business. You know what you're doing. Why don't you give it a try? So instead of working for somebody else, why don't you work for yourself and, you know, do what you want? So, you know, COVID had happened, you know, things had got kind of a little bit stressed at Perkins and I, I, I wanted to give it a try. And I had talked to five different banks here in, in Omaha and they all was like, no, it's, it's too high risk right now doing COVID. 
Um, you know, because I started talking to banks in March of 2020. So right, right at the beginning, right yep. at the beginning, and you know, and I didn't think it was gonna happen. And then it just dawned on me. It's like, you know what? I'm gonna call the bank that I've been banking for the last 12, 13 years, Spencer Iowa Norwest Bank. Uh, and I called Joel Conover, the president. It's like, hey, I have this crazy idea, and this is what I would like to do. Um, and I want to see if you guys are willing to help me. So yeah, send me all your stuff. Send me your business plan. Send me your projections, and let me take a look at it. It's like, okay. Um, two weeks later, he calls me. He says, yeah, we'll make it work. I was like, huh? Wow. He's like, yeah, we'll make it work for you. So this was in like in May when I had given him all this stuff. And then obviously I wanted to be, you know, not only grateful for all the opportunity that Perkins had provided me, I wanted to give him enough notice. And uh, I think I gave him uh, either 30 or 45 day notice because July 4th was my last day. Um, and then from July 4th to August 18th, we made this happen. How? <laughs> it, you had two months to open a restaurant, to yeah. not only open a restaurant, but create an entirely new concept. Exactly. How did you make that happen? It was crazy. And in and, and the whole process, I went to Huntsville, Alabama to pick up my equipment because obviously funds were very tight and I couldn't afford a $12,000 shipping freight fee. So like I told my wife, I was like, we're going to Alabama to pick up some equipment. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, we'll save some money. So, And then in the whole trip, you know, I'm like writing recipes or what I think I want. Because even though probably the week of uh, before we opened, uh, I didn't have recipes. I didn't. I didn't know what the heck we were gonna do. Um, I have a stack of, a clipboard of uh, burrito bags and and wax papers where I, as I made stuff, I tried it. If I liked it, okay, I'm gonna write this down. And I have all my original recipes that I I think one day I'll I'll tell a story. Um, yeah, so I got a stack of things of you know as I'm making, I'm writing them down and. Okay, I don't like this. So I put X, and then I would start a new recipe. And uh, the week a week before, when I met with Cisco to put my final my first order for food, he's like, "So what kind of items do you want?" And I was like, "Well, it's gonna be Mexican, so I need black beans, I need pinto beans." He's like, "Well, what kind of pinto beans?" I'm like, well, "What do you mean, what kind of pinto beans? Pinto beans are pinto beans for us Hispanic." It's like, "Well, but there's this kind, there's this, there's premium." It's like, "Oh shit, I didn't know you had all this kind of stuff." And then we started talking about vegetables. Like, well, I want good quality. I don't want I don't want you know garbage or things that will be nasty and not uh, nice and ripe. It's like all right. So then we started picking cilantro. We started picking onions and all that. Uh, so just I would say the week before I opened the first hobby, it was it was a learning experience that that I wasn't expecting to know because obviously I've done it with Perkins, but it's been eggs, bacon, biscuits gravy syrup and it's all stuff that somebody already invested millions of dollars to know that each perkins is going to carry the supplies no matter what because it's a perkins brand so we got to stick to all be the same thing where when we open the first hobbies is i need to start making those decisions and i'm like oh shoot what i got what did i get myself into and and it was it it, it was fun i mean i didn't know how many people were going to come the first day the first day we ran out of food by i think six o'clock that day like oh we need to up how much we're cooking and second day i mean for the first probably three weeks four weeks in a row we were consistently running out of stuff and it's not because we weren't prepared i mean we were serving three four hundred people a day you know and uh, for new restaurants especially during covid when everybody's supposed to be at home not going out not socializing i mean it, it was it was phenomenal you know well that that's the thing that feels like imp- impossible that uh, like so many new restaurants open and many have great success, but they have either trouble sustaining it or they have great food and they're just not good at, you know, they're not sure how to get the word out that you were able to immediately right off the bat, sell out that first day, sell out the second day, and then keep it going, I think is just such a testament to not only the quality of the food, but just the I don't even know how to say it. Just the way you got the word out, and I think this is a great opportunity to give a shout out to your your, your social media <laughs> maven, uh, Rory Fulcher. He's in the room. He's smiling because he yeah. knows he did a good job. He did. But how did you guys do it? I mean, how how did you get the word out? So when Javi's opens, it's not just like somebody's driving by and it's like, oh, here's a new Mexican spot. People were like, 
this Javi's thing is coming. I want to go when it opens. Yeah. How did you create that buzz? It, it was a uh, destination. Definitely, Rory definitely gets all the credit on that. You know, we sat down one time uh, in the restaurant, and, and he's like, hey, I'm willing to help you wherever I can. I was like, well, I want you to be my marketing manager. You take care of everything that, anything that's marketing. Social media, I said, I don't know how to, I, I have Facebook, I have all the Instagram, but I never get on it. I said, I follow, I like, that's all I know how to do. Don't ask me to do a post because I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> so, and, you know, with his background of marketing and all that, I mean, he took it. He ran with it, probably the best than anybody that I know could have done. So, you know, we owe a lot of our success, you know, thanks to his his partnership, his, his connections and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's done a good job. <laughs> now you mentioned like you're still developing recipes and figuring out exactly what you're going to order a week before the restaurant opens, probably days before mm-hmm. the restaurant opens. How much in those first couple months were there adjustments where it's like, okay, the asada's good, but you know, maybe it could use, you know, just a little bit of this or ah, I don't really like that cut of onion. I'm going to adjust my next yeah. order like what were those first couple months like in terms of just adjusting the food to fit exactly what you wanted to sell? It was crazy because that was exactly what uh, one of my employees was saying, like, you're changing the recipe every other day. I was like, well, we need to get it right, you know. And, uh, uh, and, and the funny thing is that some of these, my cooks, you know, came with experience. You know, my Hispanic cooks have worked at different Mexican restaurants. So, therefore, they come with experience. They know how to cook Mexican food where here you have a guy that, doesn't know how to cook Mexican food, and he's just cooking based on what he likes. That's essentially what I did. I was cooking food based on how I like to eat my food, um, not because I had the experience, not because I was at home, cooking at home with mom or because I worked at a Mexican restaurant and knew the recipes. Um, I remember my first batch of rice, the first big batch of rice I made. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I, I opened a can of tomato paste. I had the rice in there and the seasoning, and then I throw in the whole can of tomato paste. But I've never cooked a batch, so I didn't know. My my guy that worked at Cilantro's comes in. He's like, what are you doing, boss? Like rice, but I don't think this is right. It's very mushy. He's like, well, how much tomato paste you put? Like a can? It's like, a whole can? Like, yeah, I was like, no, you only do a little bit. Like, oh, shoot, but how's it going to be ready if we don't put a lot on it? I mean, that's to the point of how much knowledge I had, you know, and in the last, in the first three months, like I said, I knew the flavors I wanted because of my taste buds and everything that I like to eat. You know, if when I go eat a, ta- a street taco, you know, I know what I like and I don't like about it. You know, and I, I knew those flavors I wanted. So I just had to like, I felt like I was a scientist in a, in a lab just mixing things. Okay, I like this. Okay, I don't like this. Let's go with this one. You know, and for probably the good eight, first eight months, is we were adjusting recipes and everybody knew that I was really focused on quality and making sure it was the best flavor ever. And, and they knew it because I would make a, you know, a recipe of marinade for the asada. We would let it marinate for a day because all of our meats are marinated for one day before we even cook it. If it's not marinated, let's say we ran out of steak today, I won't serve it. Well, I'd rather say we're out of steak, even though I have 60 pounds in the cooler, marinate it, I won't bring it out. Because it needs to marinate with all the flavors that we do, the beer and everything that we put in it, so that it really gets a good flavor when we drop it on the chalkboard. Um, and we were cutting piece of meat, and I would give it to the staff. What do you guys think? A little bit more salt? A little bit more juice. What do you guys think? And and that's how we finally built a really good recipe. They went well for the steak, went well for the chicken, and another one for the apastor. Even my apastor, I'm still not 100% happy with the apastor. I, I promise that in the next six months, I probably will have some of the best apastor in Omaha. You know, because I still think my apastor lacks flavor. You know, and, and, I, and I, I, own, I own that comment because it's not... For me, it's not a piece of a, a taco that you grab and the apastor stands out. You know, apastor for me, I feel like it needs to, with the natural pineapple and all that, it, it just should, the flavor should be there. And I don't think I'm quite there. So still messing with the achote and everything else to, to give, give that flavor on the apastor meat. All the other meats, I'm, I'm very happy. I think, and this has come up several times in the conversation already, but something that just was so clearly displayed in that last answer is such a reason why you've been so successful. And that's your humility right off the bat in this conversation. You were like, I Javi's does. This is not authentic Mexican food. You just said in that last answer, I'm not 
a trained cook. Like I had to learn this stuff. You just said my Al Pastor is not where I want it to be right now. You're not coming on here and being like, my Al Pastor is the best. I love it. You want it to get there and you're going to work hard to get it there. Right. But you're not going to just make statements. You are you're humble, oh. and you're you're willing to admit that I still have work to do. I'm gonna put in the work to make myself better, but I'm not where I want to be yet. How important is humility to have as a restaurant owner? Oh, a lot. I believe. I mean, I believe. Uh, like I've told Rory, you know, no matter how big we get, we gotta not forget where we come from. You know, uh, like I say, I remember those days where we grew up poor, and, and our breakfast was a tortilla and salt. Or our breakfast was sharing a bowl of cereal with my siblings. So no matter, you know, money should never change us or, or how popular we, we get. You know, for me is if I'm in the store and my staff needs help, jump in and help them. Don't, don't ever, I, I pray to God that I always stay humble. And no matter how many restaurants we open, how many restaurants we have, is that we, we, I don't forget where I started. You know, and that I am where I am thanks to the staff, thanks to the customers that believe in, in giving us the opportunity to provide them a meal. You know, because without the customers, without the employees, we're, we're, we don't have anything. You could be the best chef. You could be the best business owner in the world. But if you don't know how to talk to people or treat people right, it's not going to get you anywhere. And for me, that's where we, that's why I talk to the staff. And, and I don't demand they say welcome to hobbies, but I ask them. Please say welcome to hobbies. It's it's the experience when the customer walks in and somebody says, "Hey, welcome to hobbies." Hey, I'll be right with you in just a minute. Acknowledgement, you know, just like me, I acknowledge my get uh, my employees if they have a personal problem or they need some time off or something's going on. Acknowledge it. Don't ignore it. You know, see what you could do to help them because you help them today. Tomorrow, hopefully, they could help you on something you need. Mm-hmm. You know, and and dif- different little things that you know as I grow our company that I want to stay true to us and, and, and just continue to do it no matter what, you know, and I guess at the end of the day, don't forget where you come from, you know. Hey there listeners. So Christmas is right around the corner. You got to be thinking about gifts and I don't know about you, but I can't really think of anything better to get as a present than just delicious, amazing meat, whether that's to be grilled, whether it's to be cooked, whatever it is, and Certified Piedmontese is the place to get it from. When you shop from Certified Piedmontese, you know you are getting quality products that are locally sourced. Uh, The selection is incredible. You can get all kinds of different meats. This is something where you don't know what to get your dad. You don't know what to get family members. You don't know what to get friends. Get them a gift card to Certified Piedmontese. Or if you're having family over, feed them an amazing meal with certified Piedmontese products. And best yet, you get 25% off your online order when you use my promo code HOPPEN, that's my last name, H-O-P-P-E-N, at checkout. So make the holidays truly special this year with certified Piedmontese. And now, back to my guest. The more I do this podcast, the more one of my favorite questions to ask every guest is, take me back to your first day open. What was that like? What do you remember oh. most? So now I'm I'm taking you back to August 18th of 2020. Your doors open for the first time. You mentioned that you sold out, but t- like, what do you remember most about that day? What stands out? I, I can see the wheels turning in your brain. Nervous as heck. I remember that because in my head, you know, you always just kind of like every time I open a Perkins, are we going to be busy? Do we have enough staff? Do we have enough of this? And, you know, we... We didn't know what this was going to be, you know, were we going to do $500, $1,000, you know, the sales that we did that day never crossed my mind, you know, for, for us to be sold out by five, six o'clock and, and almost 80% of our menu. And we literally had to close the restaurant and be there till one in the morning to get ready for the next day. And it's like, oh man, what I got myself into, <laughs> but, uh, opening the doors was definitely like. I smile now because I think about it, and, and it was, like, nervous more than anything. Um, and, and my head has been, want to make my parents proud, you know, um, uh, make my mom proud and make my dad proud. And, you know, I think I mentioned to Rory, I want to build a legacy. You know, a lot of people is, you know, my mission, what is my mission, you know, is to build something that my, I think my parent, my mom would have wanted to do and and her coming to the United States, 
but she had five kids, you know, six kids at one point that she needed to work hard and not focus on what she wanted. So I'm, I'm hoping that I could one day be able to give her that, that, you know, she's proud of what she's done, you know, because essentially I'm doing it thanks to her. You know, uh, we, uh, when time, when times get stressed and, and whatnot and work gets long is like, when I talked to her, I was like, uh, I, I could, I could, I could so much be in Mexico right now. I said, you know, this thing we always joke, you know, well, querías norte means you wanted the north. You wanted to come to the United States. Like, I never asked to come to the United States. I could have been fine in Mexico, you know, feeding the cows and feeding the pigs. It's like, yeah, you think it's that easy, but it would have not been that easy. So everything we have, you know, the opportunities I've had, I've, you know, I owe it to my parents. You know, and this past, this year, you know, I lost my dad on Father's Day. And uh, that was something extremely hard because... You know, like I said, it. My number one thing is to make my parents proud and 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 give them something for them to say. This is why we work so hard. This is what we came to this country and give our kids a a second opportunity. And I could truly say they they've done that for me and and my siblings. And I hope to be able to provide opportunities to other people. So. Well, I think you are making them proud, and you are leaving a legacy. I mean, we talked about the success of the first store. Eight months later on uh in march of 2021 you open your second store and then in literally uh, a mile and a half away from the first store right yeah so <laughs> close and then we mentioned that elkhorn location that opens in august of 2022 right. so we're talking three restaurants in two years plus the food truck yeah, two food trucks two food trucks i'm sorry <laughs> how, how dare i uh but i mean that that is incredible growth and I guess I'm just curious, like, as a restaurant owner, how do you know when the time to expand is and to open that second location? Like, when you open the first hobbies, are you already thinking about a second one? Or is it like, hey, we sold out, you know, for two for our first two weeks. Maybe there's a demand for a second location. Like, when? how do you know when the right time is to expand? When I say getting bored. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. That's what I, I think that's what I came up with. Um, when I see the stores are running good, their staff, customers are happy. And now I'm like, okay, I could go work at this store. I could work at this store. But then I go and, you know, I go excited. I'm going to work on the line or I'll be at the register. But then I'm like, well, they don't need me. Huh, what do I do? <laughs> and then my, my brain starts working. Well, maybe I should go see what else I could do. And, you know, my food trucks, we only, right now, we're only using them for private events. You know, um, I've always been big in, you know, you do something. I learned from my dad, if you do something, do it right. Don't don't waste your time and make sure you execute things right. So for us, our success on the food truck has been private events, corporate and stuff like that. Um, people that, you know, neighborhood parties or stuff like that. Um so Lakeside was doing good, you know, and obviously when you start talking of opening a restaurant, it literally, I don't think what happened in, at uh, my first store would ever happen again, that literally 45 days later, you get a loan and you get it open. I think that was just God and the stars, everything lined up and they wanted it to see happen and they gave me a challenge and I made it happen. But store two, you know, took uh, almost 10 months in plant planning. Store three was almost 15 months from the day I signed the lease till when we opened the store was 15 months. So um, right now I, I am thinking of this fourth store, you know, and it's where do I go? You know, uh, do I stay out west Omaha or do I start coming down a little bit to center of Omaha? But essentially the goal uh, that me and Rory joked was that uh, 10 stores in five years. You know, that's, that's my goal, you know, and uh, I think I'm a little bit behind, but I, if I kick the gear on, on 2023, I, I think I could do two in 2023 and then 2024, a couple more, you know, but location, it's uh, important, you know, where you go. So, and right now everything is uh, starting to be super expensive. So I don't know if we'll get to those 10 stores, but eventually we will. What's the... The thought behind being so aggressive. What makes you put that number on yourself? Ten stories in five years. Um, you know, I I come with that aggressiveness from my experience with in the uh, food industry with Perkins, uh, Village Inn, um, McDonald's. Think of scooters. How how many scooters is there in within a five mile radius? You know how many? Starbucks? Too many to count. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for me is 
you maximize its branding. And one thing that I, I tell Rory, if you can help me, it's for us to focus in, in the brand. If we put that brand out where people is, you drive by, you see it. You drive by, you see it. You turn, you see it. It's a billboard. There's, it's it's in the branding. We we know we have the quality. We know we could provide the service. So if we brand our brand well, well, we put ten different locations in Omaha, then you have something. You know, you you a good foundation, kind of like Pepper Jacks. I mean, look at Pepper Jacks. You know, started in Omaha. And it, it, they're now this, they're kept picking up the gear. They're putting more pepper jacks within two and a half mile radius now. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, I've had that mentality since I decided I wanted to open the first ones. I, I don't want to just open one store. I don't want to just have two two restaurants, and that's all I focus on. Because um, I, I don't want to ever feel that I'm stuck. You know, so um, in this industry, you know, the food industry is one of the hardest to really make profit just because – you know, the cost of goods go up and down without you having any control. And I can turn around and say, well, hey, I pay an extra $3 for steak this week, so I'm going to raise the prices of my burritos an extra dollar. So not being able to do that, it's hard uh, to manage what you make. You know, the average restaurant could make anywhere from 5% to 15% profit if it's managed properly. Um, or you could lose, you know, the same amount if it's not managed properly, you know, and... um so the idea of getting to 10 stores is we have proven the customers have enjoyed our food. We have proven that we could do better in our service, and we know that we need to improve on our speed. And if we get those three things combined, I think that Javi's Tacos brand in general in Omaha will be a destination where people know they go get good food at a good time and good service, you know. I think what you mentioned right there is the key, and that's consistency. Because I've seen a lot of really good restaurants have a fantastic original location, and then they open a second location, and it just doesn't hit the same way. It doesn't It doesn't last very long. And that's because it's really hard to maintain that consistency between two locations, especially when, you know, the owner is not – you can't be in two places at once. Right. But that's something that – chains have mastered is they have their processes down they know how to train employees so it whether somebody's getting a meal at perkins in iowa nebraska colorado wherever it is they are getting a consistent meal that is going to be very similar to what they would get at other locations and i think that's something that you've been able to bring from your background into hobbies is whether somebody's going to elkhorn or lakeside um they know they're going to get a very consistent meal. If they order an asada taco at those two locations, you could stack them up next to each other, and they're going to look the same. Absolutely. How, how important do you think that was, bringing in your corporate background? or I don't know if corporate's the right way, but just that background at Perkins and knowing how important those processes are and being able to implement those. I, I think it was a, a huge key for the success because, you know, with the experience, like, it's, like you were saying, knowing that it has work, that this is a multi-million dollar company that has – standards systems procedures for a reason and it has worked so and me being as a regional manager then my job was to enforce those and and lecture and tell people why we need this to happen why we want to grab the cup and pour the coffee for the customer not just leave the cup and then pour the cup and and it splatters all over you know and you have control of the cup and you put that cup in front of the customer and if there's a child on a high chair you don't put that cup on the right hand side you put that on the left hand side everything has a reason right so with hobbies same thing same philosophy same mentality is that everything that we do we want to do it for the reason that's going to benefit the customer you know not to benefit me but benefit the customer so the customer has a consistency you know it and it's might sound dumb or crazy but it all starts with the employee. Proper shoes, proper jeans, proper shirt, proper hat. If that employee cannot give you that, then that employee is not going to believe in what your concept is or what you're trying to accomplish. You know, So if you can't come in with the hobby shirt that we provided, we give you two hobby shirts and you can't come in with the right shirt you know, three times of your shift in the week, what makes me think that you then you're going to put my rice, my beans, the meat, the queso on a rice bowl? in that order that means you're going to do things however you want and that's going to change the whole experience for the customer the rice bowl is not going to be the same rice bowl 
It's like if you grab a burrito and instead of doing the rice first, you do beans first. What's going to happen? Your tortilla is going to be soggy. It's all the juices. You know, the rice protects your tortilla for everything to be nice and blend. You know, that's why one thing that's unique about us, too, talking about, about the menu, is that we put our burritos on the grill and we put cheese and melt in the burrito where most other people just sprinkle cheese on top and then fold it. You know, that cheese just gives you the good bond for everything to stay together. So, I, Those last two minutes, I think, might be the best summation of why you're successful. Is just, There is such an intentionality yeah. to everything that you do. There's thought behind every process. There's nothing that hasn't been meticulously combed over and thought, is there a way we can do this better and make the customer experience better? And I absolutely love that. We're running up against the clock, but you are just such an engaging personality <laughs> and you're so knowledgeable. I have to ask you my last two questions that I like to ask Absolutely. every guest that I have on here. First one, what is the number one thing about the hospitality industry that you think diners don't understand, but you wish they did? The whys. The why, why we do certain things the way we do them. You know, and, or customers, one of our biggest things is why can I get the sour cream on the side? Why can I get the walk on the side? You know, obviously everything has, I call them the whys. And for us, I, as the staff, I tell them, you know, it's our job to explain to them why. You know, and my first two stores, the, the, the setups were built, you know, the way it was already. You know, unless I would have spent more money, I could have changed the flow. So my first two stores, you walk in, the register that you order, then we make your food. My third store has a concept like I initially planned. You walk in, the grill in front of you. Hey, buddy, how's it going? What can I get for you? Then you tell us, and then we walk you to the coal bar, and we're making things. And then you say, hey, can I get the sour cream on the side? Absolutely. That's going to be an extra charge. Is that okay? And now it's your decision. We're not forcing it. You make that decision if you want the sour cream on the side for an extra 50 cents. Otherwise, like our concept sets, unlimited toppings. As long as it goes in the item, certain items come as is. So it's something that, you know, Rory and I and Mandy <clears throat> have learned that no matter how much you explain to customers, sometimes they don't get the whys. And obviously when people go out or need, they just look at it, hey, I'm paying for my food and I want it made the way I want it. And that's fine. It, there's still the whys, the reasons why we got to be limited ourselves to what, what we give out for free and what we charge for, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And then last question to get you out of here on a positive note, what's your favorite thing about being in the restaurant industry? The smiles. The seeing the customers' smiles and the satisfaction that when they have a good meal. And uh, there's nothing better, I think, when I go out and talk to customers. Hey, how's your meal? How's everything tasting? Oh, my God, this is phenomenal. It's like, is this your first time? It's like, no, I just decided to try something different. It's like, oh, well, thanks for your support. We really appreciate it. And people ask, are you the owner? It's like, oh, no, I just work for that jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's always been an inside joke. Where I, you know, I tell employees not to call me Javi when I'm working with them because I want to get the feedback from the customers. I want to really know what they really feel. If I'm not perfect, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We have made mistakes. And I have sincerely apologized to the customers that we made them wait longer than they should have um, and things like that. And for me, it's my... My goal is how do I make, how do I take those comments and make it better? You know, I've, I've had customers, you know, say, you know, we had a horrible experience. I'm going to put it on social media. I'm going to make sure you get a uh, one star. It's like, you know what? That's fine. I apologize that it happened. Let me know how I could fake it, make it better for you. Um, but you go ahead and do that review. Don't, I would never discourage you to do a bad review. If you had a bad experience, tell me how you really feel. And I'm going to use that as a tool for my staff to see how the customer feels and what we need to do better. That's all I could do. It's how can I change what we've done wrong to make it better. We're not going to be perfect, but we can at least try every single day to make it better. You know, and, and I just, just at the end of the day is providing that experience. And I, like I said, I know we have good food and our food is different. It's different. It, it's not for every taste, but, you know, it's just, um, I don't know. It's so many people so being, being used to so many different type of Mexican food that it's, you know, somebody could go into a restaurant and say, this is not Mexican. That's your opinion. And we respect that, you know, because they'll say, well, who puts this on Mexican food or who does radishes, you know? But it's, it, everybody has an opinion which should be authentic, you know? It's just like pizza or pasta. 
If we go, if we go to Italy, the pizza pasta we know here in America will be completely different in Italy. You know, so that's why for me, it's I'm very careful, and even in our marketing, we not to say authentic Mexican food. You know, and I always tell Roy, you know, don't don't put authentic because I don't want to get grandma and auntie <laughs> coming out here telling me this is not authentic because you're right. right? This is all created in in my head. So there's that humility again and just that admission that, hey, I'm going to make food that I love to eat. This is what my taste buds love. This is what my customers say their taste buds love, you know, yep. and clearly people are liking it because <laughs> You're a rocket ship, man. You've got three restaurants open now. You're talking about, you know, thinking about four and five already. And I wish you nothing but future success. Clearly, you've got something going. Thank you so much, Javier, for coming on the show today and talking about it. I appreciate it. It It's a great experience. You know, Rory has always been like, we need to get you out there, talk to people. We need to get you out there more. You're great at it. You should do (laughs) this more. Heck, you're going to take my job (laughs) soon. You're going to be hosting your own podcast. No, No, But, yeah, no, it's, it's been good. And I, I love the opportunity God has given me, and, and I just want to keep on growing and, and people to be patient with us because I promise Omaha that we won't have a very successful company, you know. Yep, so. I agree with that 100%. So, cool. Well, thanks for the opportunity, and thanks to Rory. And I also want to uh, thank Mandy, uh, our new VP of operation. Uh, she moved from Colorado to help me run this company and for us to really take it to the next level. And I think, uh, you know, Omaha is a great place for us to start. And who knows? Next, some maybe someday we'll have 100 locations. And we can talk about this day. I look forward so, to that day, Javi. So, thanks, buddy. Uh, thanks. Until, <laughs> until then, Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. Ahura Media Production.